Welcome to Spark, practices and habits that spark a deeper love. In this series, we are listening to stories from different people in the community about how what they do in their everyday lives connects to God's loving and renewing work in the world. I have conversations every week that inspire me as I learn from and about other people. Our everyday lives really can spark a deeper love. This week, we hear from Amanda Lingle. Amanda works at BD Medical as an engineer on vascular catheters, but is a femtech enthusiast currently trying to break into the industry. She loves to rock climb, line dance, ski, and talk about anything related to women's health. So thanks Amanda for being willing to talk about your work. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Heather. Maybe just as we start, you can explain a little a bit about like what you do, what your training is, um, kind of start there. Yeah, so I got my degree in biomedical engineering. I have a bachelor's degree and currently I work as a research and development engineer at um, Beckton Dickinson Medical uh, where I work on vascular access technologies. So these are catheters or IVs that are inserted into your vein and some of them up to your heart to deliver medicine. So they're more for um, critical care patients, more like ICU patients. And so I'm working on new product. So it's things that aren't on the market currently. Hmm. And tell me how that is. Like, how is it working on new product? And I know there's been some exciting things that you've been able to to do in kind of developing new products for the medical world that are kind of the tangible, usable products. Yeah. I mean, the medical device industry is so slow. Like you have to have so much patience. Mm -hmm. I think the project I'm on started in 2016 and it still has a couple of years before it'll be launched to market. Wow. (laughs) Crazy. So that's one thing I don't know. I'm not sure I completely realized in college was just how slow it is, mm-hmm. but I've been able to learn a lot. And still, even though it's the same product, a lot of things, the different phases of design have changed. So there's been a lot of new things to learn. It's, I think one of the things when I first came on was super interesting was um, just how they test the devices to make sure they're safe in humans, because it's not like they can just stick them on humans right away to test it. They need, they've created all these machines and different procedures to test. Um, for instance, one thing we test is the insertion of the device because you want to make sure it's not too sticky and you're like pulling on the person's skin if you're inserting this catheter. And so they have a device where they are able to push the catheter into this material and it records the force. And so we <laughs> we kind of figure out, figured out what an acceptable force limit is um, to know that it'll be okay in the patient. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had to go with a friend to the ER. And when we were there, I realized her IV was made by my company. And I know some like the engineers that made it. And it's just cool to see mm-hmm. the real life application of what I do, because sometimes I forget. Mm-hmm. I love that you talked about like your roommate, because even just thinking about that when you're there and you're like the way that you see the world of a hospital room is completely different than like me or maybe somebody else who doesn't work in 
in the same industry as you do. So I always find it fascinating when we get to have conversations because I, the way you see things is yeah, informed by what you do every day. Yeah, I was definitely nerding out in her ER room because there's nothing else to really do while we were waiting. And so I was, I opened all the cabinets and I was going through all the medical devices and seeing what companies made what. And I was like, oh, this is by our competitor. And oh, we made this. And she's like, okay. (laughs) So cool. What made you interested in pursuing this kind of vocation? Because as I think about it, and as we talk a lot, I miss you about like joining God in the renewal of things. I just think about this and I always get so excited when I talk to you because it is like it's bringing new things into the world that help people heal like it's phenomenal like what brought like what was the impetus for you yeah I mean it was kind of a random journey when I was graduating high school I knew I wanted to make do something with math but I didn't want to be a math teacher so I decided to major in software engineering because my dad is in computers and it just made sense. So that's what I was doing the first part of college. And then I realized I kind of hate coding and I don't want to do this for my entire life. And so one day I just sat down with all of the majors at Cal Poly and especially the College of Engineering because I thought I still want to do something with math. And I found biomedical engineering and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Like you can make things for doctors without having to be a doctor, because that's one thing I've never wanted to do (laughs) is be a doctor. But this idea that I could make things that could help the doctor sounded super cool that what I was using with my engineering skills could have a real life application to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that really excited me. And so I decided to switch my major to that and just fell in love with it. And so, yeah, that led me to medical devices. (laughs) So great. And I know in talking to you, you're really passionate. While this element is something that you do every day in your vocation, you're really passionate about women's health. And often we talk about that and I feel like I'm just gaining all kinds of resource from talking to you about that. So maybe you could share a little bit about your passion um, for women's health specifically and why it feels so important to you. Yeah, yeah, I, we, I talk about it all the time. Like I know I don't stop talking about it unless people stop me. But yeah, so my very last quarter of college, I took a tech elective for my major that was called maternal health engineering and it just opened my eyes to all of these things that affect women and ailments and diseases and just problems that no one speaks about most women don't even know about them there's a lot that can be done with engineering something that I've learned through my networking people are always like so how do you use engineering with women's health like that doesn't seem to correlate But there is so much, Um, for instance, something my uh, Cal Poly professor worked on is this device called the Jada system, which it helps to stop postpartum hemorrhaging, which Mm -hmm. is when a woman bleeds too much after birth. And it's a huge contributor to the maternal mortality rate. There's this quote that she put up in our classroom that was from this doctor that said, postpartum hemorrhaging is a nice way of saying we let women bleed to death. Hmm. Um, A lot of it's preventable. A lot of it could be stopped, but we haven't. Hmm. And so there are a couple other methods out there 
to stop it, but none of them are entirely effective. But this device got approved by the FDA like a year and a half ago, and I'm so excited to see it be out on the market um, because I think it's really going to make a difference in saving women's lives. Hmm. Yeah, it's just really humbling, I think, to talk to you because there's this research that's needed, there's people who are available to do it, and then there's these products that come out that literally save people's lives. It's really, it's really inspiring. What, I mean, we're talking about medicine, we're talking about um, like engineering, we're talking about making like physical things that go into the body. Like as a person of faith, have you thought much about how your work or your everyday work connects to, yeah, the love that God has for humans or the world or for you or for for the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason I resonated with biomedical engineering as my major when I stumbled upon it was that it's helping people. And I think a big thing about being a person of faith and being a Christian is loving others and figuring out ways to make the world a better place. You and Johnny always talk about how we're not supposed to just wait um, for Jesus to bring the kingdom of heaven down, but like we're supposed to take part in building that now, which is cool because I feel like that's something I haven't heard before, but I think that's something with my work is I'm helping in that, um, that collective effort by trying to help people and heal people. Um, there's just not enough equality in he- healthcare and so many different aspects. And I'm gaining more engineering skills so that hopefully I can move more in that space, space of women's health that I'm passionate about. And I think, I think it's where God is really leading me. I feel like I have these skills that are really unique that put me in a great space to maybe help more in this. And so even now when I'm working on vascular devices, it might not be my full-fledged passion, but I know that these skills I'm learning as an early engineer in my career are really going to help um, when I'm able to work more on a women's health device because I'll have all the knowledge of how to design something, what the process is, how to work with the FDA. Um, so sometimes even though I'm not as passionate about vascular devices, it's still going to help me in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know there's other things in women's health specifically that you like, that you just feel passionate about making people aware of. I don't know if there's any of those things that you would want to talk about. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that needs to be done in women's health, but a big one is cardiac health. There's different symptoms for men and women when it comes to heart attacks. Hmm. The media portrays it as chest pain and left arm clutching. And that's what we all kind of know is what a heart attack is. But that's really just how it shows up in men. It can show up as indigestion, fatigue, jaw pain. It can be lower abdomen pain and um, or upper abdomen pain and lower chest pain. Um, So there's some symptoms that overlap, but there's some that don't, which is just really sad that people don't know about it because a lot of these heart attacks go unnoticed because women just don't realize that they had one and then they don't get it treated and it can be fatal because of that. Mm -hmm. I think the equality in women's health is maybe you could just talk 
give us a few examples of you've you've talked a bit about like heart cardiovascular like the the ways that the languages use or the symptoms have been predominantly male maybe you could just talk some more about some of the, of the inequalities in healthcare that you see and um why it's important for us to be knowledgeable about that mm-hmm. um it wasn't till the 70s that uh or the later 70s that the NIH said that women have to be in clinical trials mm-hmm. so before that they weren't and mm-hmm. women are not just a smaller version of men um and they really need to be in those clinical trials that's why there's a lot of problems with cardiac health is because most of the clinical trials have been done on male hearts and they're starting to be trials with women, but it's still not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, males usually get blockages for heart attacks in their larger arteries and women have them in their smaller arteries near their heart because a heart attack is when you don't get enough blood to the heart. And one of the ways they measure if you've had a heart attack, for instance, is I can't remember what the actual test is called, but it checks to see if those larger arteries are blocked. And so if that's the test they're running, they could actually miss a blockage in a female because it's not in those larger arteries. And another way they sometimes test for heart attacks is um, something called troponin and measuring your troponin levels. And actually the threshold for women sometimes can be lower than what they think the threshold is to show that you've had a heart attack. So they're starting to change that threshold based on sex differences, but that's another case of you really need to make sure if you thought you've had one that you're getting the proper tests because they might not, even the doctors might not catch it. Another place where I've seen inequality is in women's sexual health. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always see advertisements for erectile dysfunction drugs and things to help men have better sexual pleasure, but it's really taboo in our society and in the world in general to talk about how to promote women's sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a company that I know of, they've created this cream to help promote a woman's sexual arousal and desire um, for intimacy that it's been blocked um, by advertising companies. Um, They won't put it on because it just, there's a stigma and this taboo that for some reason we can put all these different things about rectal dysfunction out there, but we can't talk about uh, women when they are going through something similar. Mm -hmm. One more thing, like just women's health problem that people aren't aren't aware of and can really affect relationships is this condition called vaginismus, which we don't really even know how many people it affects. We think it's between like five to 20% of women, but it's a problem where um, nothing can be inserted into the vaginal canal um, because of the psychological tightening. And this can really affect relationships because, and unfortunately causes a lot of divorce because a, women didn't, don't even know that it's something that can be fixed or treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's again, just one of those examples of things that aren't talked about in the media because it's taboo, but it really is damaging and isolating for women because they don't know anyone else is going through this or that there's a way to solve it. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's really important to name that. And I think these, um, I think that's why it's beautiful to talk to you because there's, when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, this girl is like connected to doing things that are so shaping of for women's health and even like taboos around who women are and then creating space for a whole new conversation or access to whole new um, resources in order to be able to live into being like a whole person. And it's so beautiful to me. <laughs> it's like, it, and it makes me so excited because you're like, this is a God-given passion. And I'm all, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, I know too that you've talked about like an opportunity that you have just upcoming and maybe you can talk a bit more about that because it's um, in line with what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. So um, I found there's this really cool company called Impact 51 and it's it was created by these four female founders in Israel and their company's goal is to create women's health startups. And so their first their first challenge that they want to tackle is menopause, which is something I'm super passionate about, which is funny to say as a 25-year-old. <laughs> well, I'm passionate about it, 45-year-old on my way to being perimenopausal, so I'm glad to be connected. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that is not talked about. Again, it's taboo. I think a lot of women even don't know all the things that go with menopause, all we see in the me- media is you can't have kids anymore and you get hot flashes. Mm. And that is just, unfortunately, the very tiny tip of the iceberg. Mm. And we don't have services or ways to help women through this. Obviously, we can't stop menopause from happening, but there's ways that we can make it a better experience. And also just so that women don't feel so alone because all of a sudden their body is completely changed and it's a really disorienting and isolating process when you feel like you can't talk to anybody else, but there's half the population goes through this Mm -hmm. and it's something that needs to be addressed. So this company sent out this call out or recruitment to get people who are passionate about women's health and menopause to, um, help them with these six different challenges they've designed geared around menopause and they will have six teams and the two teams that do the best after this 12-week program um, will get funding to be an actual startup. So I was accepted into this program a couple days ago, which I'm super excited about. And so I will be on Sunday mornings having long distance calls with Israel to Hmm. figure out how to bring better education about menopause and bring more awareness to it. So I still don't know all the details of what I'll be doing, but I'm so excited that Hmm. I, this is kind of my dream is to find a portion of women's health that isn't being addressed and do something about it and hopefully create a startup around it. So we'll see where this goes. It might just be these 12 weeks, but I think it'll at least help lead to something else. So I'm just so excited right now about it. Absolutely. That is really exciting. And also just really exciting to be working with a group of women in a different country 
different contexts like what a wonderful way to be connected and to learn yeah and I think this is something you mentioned the other day too is like a lot of people think that innovation only happens in the U.S. but that's totally not true women all over the world and people all over the world are doing crazy things and so and it'll be so cool to get to learn from all these people's experiences that I don't really have much background with yeah it's just a, a great opportunity I think what you do is um, is deeply loving. It's deeply loving to um, think about ways to heal and to offer tangible things um, to humans, but in your passion to women, um, so that there's an equity that is born in the world, and then there's also like actual products that are in the world that that bring life and bring newness and bring um yeah just the goodness and so I don't know if there's if people are in I'm sure people will be inspired as they listen but I don't know if you have books or things that you would recommend if um this sparks something in somebody else that they would want to continue this for themselves yeah of course yeah well if you don't like reading you could follow my Instagram which is called at femtechyes and there I haven't posted in a while but I'm planning to I post about different women's health innovations I've found over the years so that's an easy way to see what are some really cool creative things other people are doing in the field of women's health Um, but some books uh, this one I'd probably more recommend if you're female but go figure it's about the amazing female anatomy uh, it's by Lisa Falco and Heather I think you have it yeah, <laughs> because you recommended it <laughs> um, but it's so incredible it just goes through all the different life stages for women and a lot of things that I did not know about um, pregnancy or menopause like you lose 25% of your muscle mass when you are lactating and breastfeeding, which is insane. Mm. But that one's really interesting and I'd highly recommend it. Um, Some other resources, if you're interested more in the innovation and technology side, also is this podcast called Femtech Focus. They kind of do the same thing as my Instagram, but it's a podcast where they have different women's health startups or founders talk to them about what they're doing in the field of women's health. Hmm. Well, I always feel inspired after I talk to you and there's always a wealth of information. Um, So thanks for chatting with us today. And um, yeah, just talking about what you're passionate about and talking about what you do and talking about why you do it. Yeah, thanks, Heather. It's just, yeah, it's fun to talk about. (laughs) After this conversation with Amanda today, the practices that really came through were an encouragement to lean into resources and develop an awareness around systemic inequities. I think I also heard listening to our passions as a practice and letting those passions move us into embodied action. Some of the resources she shared were specific to women's health. Her Instagram, at FemtechYes, the book Go Figure by Lisa Falco, and the blog Femtech Focus, 
The website, Impact 51, is the women's health startup studio that she's working with on menopause. Also, a website that has a ton of information. Our everyday lives really can spark a deeper love.